Hi, and welcome back. This is your host, Katie, and on today's episode, we'll be exploring spina bifida even further. To recap last episode, I gave you the rundown of spina bifida and introduced you to the first case study with a patient diagnosed with myelomeningocele. Today's case scenario will be a bit different in terms of the type of spina bifida as well as the patient you will shortly be introduced to. I hope that you are ready and excited for this one. It's going to be difficult. But before we get into that, I'd like to quickly go over what spina bifida is and what parts of the body are involved. Spina bifida is a type of neural tube defect that affects the spine and is usually apparent at birth and is also usually detected in the mother's womb. The backbone is intended to shield the spinal cord and if and when the neural tube isn't fully closed, the spinal cord won't form nor close as it is originally intended to do. Unsurprisingly, in the long run, spina bifida may cause physical and intellectual disabilities that range from mild to severe. The severity of the condition may depend on the area in the spine and whether or not part of the spinal cord and nerves are affected. Spina bifida is separated into three different types, myelomeningocele, meningocele, and occulta. Now that I've shared with you a brief overview of what spina bifida is, I can now introduce you to your second patient of the series. Let's meet Karen. Karen is a 19-year-old female who has found herself at the doctor's with moderate to severe leg and lower back pain. First, let's go through Karen's clinical history to further investigate her areas of concern. Growing up, Karen has been moderately active with various sports and activities. She has never experienced any concerning ailments or symptoms throughout her life, up until about a year ago with leg and lower back pain. After a general physical examination, Karen's primary care doctor located a spot on the exterior of Karen's lower back that indicated a patch of discoloration and abnormal hair growth. Along with her combination of back and leg pain, and most importantly, the patch of discoloration and hair growth on her lower back, Karen and her doctor decided to go along with an MRI study to see if his suspected diagnosis, spina bifida, is indeed what Karen is experiencing. Before we continue with Karen's MRI results, I want to go over the three types of spina bifida. Let's start with the least common form of spina bifida, spina bifida occulta. Generally, fewer people are familiar with spina bifida occulta, less commonly referred to as closed spina bifida. Closed spina bifida involves an abnormality in the bones of the spine only. Consequently so, occulta or hidden spina bifida can result in symptoms that show up later on in life. Some people may experience partial paralysis, back pain, leg weakness, loss of bowel or bladder control, scoliosis, numbness, and distorted legs and feet. Though rarely associated with occulta, open spina bifida occurs in myelomeningocele and meningocele. In open spina bifida, the spinal canal is open to varying degrees along the back and sac with a part of the spinal cord extends out through the skin. This kind of defect exposes the spinal cord to injury and infection and can also severely impact a person's mobility. In myelomeningocele, the most severe form of spina bifida, the separated part of the spinal cord allows it to jut out through an opening. Specifically, the meningeal membranes that stick out through the opening form a sac, enclosing the spinal elements such as the meninges, cerebrospinal fluid, and parts of the spinal cord and nerve roots. 
As a result, usually some degree of paralysis is present, as well as the loss of feeling below the level of the spinal cord defect. That can occur. Thus, the more cranial the level of the defect, the more severe the associated nerve dysfunction and resultant of the paralysis may be. Our third and final type is meningocele, the least common form of spina bifida. This is where a single developmental abnormality allows the meninges to herniate between the site of the vertebrae. Tears in the vertebrae that result are so little that the spinal cord will not protrude, protrude as it does with meningocele. Our third and final type is meningocele, the least common form of spina bifida. This is where a single developmental abnormality allows the meninges to herniate between the site of the vertebrae. Tears in the vertebrae that result are so little that the spinal cord will not protrude as it is with myelomeningocele. Most often present in myelomeningocele, a tethered cord can occur. A tethered cord is pulled tight, where normally the spinal cord dangles loosely in the spinal channel. The spinal cord can become stretched. As a person with living with spina bifida grows, it can occur at pretty much any stage in life. This can damage the spinal cord by directly pulling it and getting it in the way of the blood supply to the spinal cord. Lastly, something worth mentioning is that all three types of spina bifida can result in various skin conditions due to limited movement, weak muscles, lack of feeling, and poor circulation. These skin conditions include latex allergies, easy susceptibility to wounds, and skin breakdown that occurs due to pressure burns or trauma. Finally, it's time for the greatly anticipated results of Karen's MRI. All right, so the MRI revealed a collection of malformations along the entirety of the spine, deriving from the hind bony sections and the crossing of the entire spinal cord. Karen's spinal cord is split by the spur, or bone growth, on top of the original bone into two different sections as well as the spinal cord. Not to mention, they also found that there was a partial closure of the rear bony parts of the vertebrae surrounded with skin. Due to this incomplete closure, the skin the that the MRI was conducted on was indicated of a rare case of spina bifida occulta. Karen's case is rare and complex due to the fact that these symptoms don't usually occur in people with spina bifida occulta. Because Karen was unknowingly living with spina bifida, her condition worsened over time. An official diagnosis for Karen was determining consisted of spina bifida occulta that formed a congenital disorder where part of the spinal cord is usually split at the level of the upper lumbar vertebra. This is a rare congenital condition that results in the splitting of the spinal cord in a sagittal direction. There are two variations. The first kind includes a mid-sagittal spur that, that parts the spinal cord into two. The second variation has no spur but a break in the spinal cord. In the womb, this split cord malformation derives from the sticking between the embryonic ecto and ectoderm. In order to, to detect this, CT scans can show the widening of the spinal canal with the bony septum. MR imaging is the preferred detection technology due to the fact that it provides direct imagery of the split cord and helps in identifying associated deformities. Now that we can interpret Karen's results, we must now determine how she will be treated. According to her unique condition, split cord malformations like Karen's need immediate surgical care to avert from permanent impairment of the nervous tissue. Surgical intervention can reverse much of the damaged sites and improve 90% of patients. If Karen waited much longer, partial paralysis was in her near future. If she had waited just a little bit more, 
it could have turned her life upside down. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this increasingly complicated case study, and I hope that you have effectively accomplished another learning milestone in understanding spina bifida even further. I really hope that you guys are ready because I have some pretty tough cases for you to crack coming up. Thanks again for listening to the world of anatomy and physiology. I'll see you next time.